Well, welcome. It is great to be back. I missed you guys last week. How many of you missed me? Did anybody? Nobody missed me. Okay, all right. You weren't even here. Uh, well, uh, I know you enjoyed uh, Pastor Keith last week. A great, most important talk on uh, the church. You know, obviously in Alpha we talk about a lot of things that we just kind of assume about Christianity or religion, um, but we really never dig in, if if you're anything like me, and most of you said that you were like me, that you really never dug into the Bible to find out what what was in there, what the Bible had to say about a relationship with God, or the Bible, or prayer, or or evil, or the church. and in a moment, we're going to get into an, another one of those issues that are just were completely fuzzy. To, they, they, actually, it was hardly even fuzzy because I knew so little. And that is about the person of the Holy Spirit. But hey, um, I'm excited. Uh, how many of you guys have been here? This is your ninth week without missing an alpha. Wow. Okay. Congratulations. I mean, this is... Dante, do not miss next week. I mean, some of you will be honored in ways in which you have never been honored. I'm not going to say what that is, but, uh, but uh, we will have commencement ceremony next week as well as uh, a, a topic, what do I do with the rest of my life? So we're going to talk about that uh, next week as well. So we'll have a little bit of fun with uh, the, the close of Alpha. But this weekend, this weekend's the Alpha weekend, I just really want to encourage you. If you can only come Friday and not Saturday morning, come. If you can only come Saturday morning and not Friday, please be a part of this because this really is a tremendous, tremendous time uh, of just, you know, you have to go to work the next day, so you're not really so much concerned about that. Um, it, it, it really is a highlight of the Alpha Course, and I cannot encourage you more to come be a part of it. Um, 6.30, Friday night, 8.30, um, for uh, breakfast, a full-blown, cholesterol-laden breakfast. Uh, so we'll have bare aspirins at the end of the food line so you can... Um. But hey, let me tell you, if you are coming and I want you to come, I want you to write down... Uh, there's going to be a little bit of homework on Friday night and it's just basically reading through uh, about 20, pat, 20 scriptures. It's, and it's on the, what's called the prodigal son. It's Luke chapter 15... Luke chapter 15, uh, I think the verses are 11, am I right? Yeah, 11 through 32. It's page 1,592 in your Bible, in your Alpha Bible. So um, if you want to just get a head start on that, one of my favorite things about the Alpha course is what we'll do Saturday morning during breakfast as we kind of go through the story of the prodigal son which is also a story of a prodigal father as well, because the word prodigal is not necessarily a bad thing. It just means excessive. It can be excessively good. It can be excessively bad. It can be excessively mediocre. It's just prodigal. So that would be me. I'm excessively mediocre. Um, but just for you, yes, there is no child care. So if your kids have been coming to Alpha, I apologize, but we're not going to be able to provide child care for for this. But but anyway, and we may even have the founder of Alpha may be here. And so if he comes, I want you to just make sure you recognize him. Here he is. There's Alpha. Oh, for those of you. So if you see anybody strange, anybody strange coming around that. So anyway. 
I always have to do something stupid. Okay. Well, look, I, I, I hope if Alpha has done anything for us over the weeks that we have been here, I pray it's at least help us to clearly understand, or maybe more clearly understand, what biblical Christianity is and what it is not. As I talked a moment ago, there are certainly stereotypes that, that, that may make us feel good about spiritual things, but just because something makes me feel good doesn't mean it's true. And just because something makes me feel bad doesn't mean it's not true. The fact is truth is truth and it's self-substantiating and truth doesn't really care whether I believe it or not. But we have, according to the Bible, a God that has come to reveal the truth to us. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight as we talk about the person of the Holy Spirit. One page 46, session 8, who is the Holy Spirit and, uh, you know, growing up religiously, in my tradition, I knew absolutely nothing about the Holy Spirit. I knew he had something to do with my shoulders. I wasn't quite sure what he had to do with my shoulders, but I would pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I mean, that, that was about it. I didn't know what any of that meant, but that's all I knew. And that about the beginning and the end of my knowledge of the Holy Spirit. But... Tonight, we're going to talk about this, and I'm really hopeful that what we will see is that the Holy Spirit is not, he's not a ghost, you know, he's not a force, he's not, a, he's not an attitude, he's not, he's not a, a, a spirit like team spirit or something like that. Um, he is a person, you know, he is the, the, the third person of the Trinity, and, and as a third person of the Trinity, the Bible tells us that, that he thinks, that he grieves, that he leads, uh, that he speaks, that all of these things make up the person of the Holy Spirit. I never thought of the Holy Spirit as a person. See, because, and, and we can just look at a couple of scriptures here. I'll just give you a couple of scriptures right here out of Acts 15 to 28. Now, <clears throat> if you're not familiar with the scriptures. What is Acts? It's called the Acts of the Apostles. It could be more technically said the Acts of Jesus Christ through the Apostles or the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. And that will be your fifth book in the New Testament. And so basically the book of Acts is is a, a history of the first church, of the birth of the church, of the ascension of Jesus and the birth of the first church and the apostles and missionary journeys of Peter and Paul and how the first church really came together. So in the, in the 15th chapter of Acts, this is, what James, this is what James says. He says, for it, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these essentials. As the church is coming together, they're learning. They're learning more of the things that Jesus taught by the Holy Spirit. And so we're seeing here that he's teaching. He is, he is revealing the teachings of the truth reminding them of that. And then Peter in Acts 1.16, Brethren, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit foretold by the mouth of David concerning Jesus. Okay, so the Holy Spirit spoke through King David. He, the person of the Spirit. And it's the interesting because you can't, you can't grieve an it. You can't offend an it. But the Holy Spirit is a person. As I said, the third person of the Trinity. Just give you a little bit of biblical historical background on this. The Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us, was, was involved in creation. In Genesis chapter 1, maybe we're familiar with this scripture, where basically 
Uh, Moses writes, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And so the Spirit of God was not only involved with the creation of the universe, he was also involved with the creation of man. And then we'd see often, you'll see this on page 46, that before Christ, the Holy Spirit would come, come upon particular people at particular times, for particular purposes or tasks. And you'll see some names here. There's a guy by the name of Bezalel. And this gentleman was, the spirit came upon him to be able to do the, the craftsmanship, the artisanry, the works that were in the, in the tabernacle in the wilderness. And then Gideon, we've, maybe some of you have heard about Gideon. God used him and raised him up as a leader using the spirit to use him to come against the Midianites, the enemies of Israel, Samson. We've all heard stories of Samson, how God, the Spirit of God gave Samson, would come upon him, gave him strength against the Philistines. And then Isaiah, the Spirit of God, came upon him to give so many different messianic prophecies concerning Jesus. And certainly there's a, I mean, there's a kibbutz full of, of others, like Moses and Abraham, etc., etc., where the Holy Spirit would come upon them. Now, but we see here that he was prophesied. The coming of the Spirit was prophesied by God, speaking through the prophets before Christ of a new covenant, a new work of God that he would do by the Spirit. And this is, this is a, a scripture from uh, the book of Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel. And I want you to just see this here. Now, now look at the number of the times the word, you know, I is written here. Just again, that we talked about this weeks ago, that God is the initiator. Okay? It's not God who's waiting for us to come to him. He comes to us first. He initiates any possibility of our responding to him. It is, as I've told you a few weeks ago, it's incumbent upon supernatural to reveal itself or himself to natural. And once he reveals himself, then you and I have a response to make. Either yes or no. This is what what Ezekiel writes. He says, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone. Or that heart of stone is a heart of death. He'll remove it from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, a new heart. And I will put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinance. So who's speaking here? This is God speaking through, by the Holy Spirit, through the prophet Ezekiel. And he is speaking. Who is he speaking to? Well, I would argue that he's speaking to every one of us in this room. This is, what he's, this is basically what he's saying. Let me pull it. I'd be lost without these cups. I just... <laughs> This is like my Linus blanket. This is... Okay, so what is he saying? Look, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. Why? Because you have a heart of stone. You're in Adam. That's, that's death. You're dead as a stone is basically what he's saying here. But I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. I'm going to give you a new heart. It's what he's saying. And I will put my spirit... I'm going to put my spirit within you so when Christ comes, we get placed into Christ by the Holy Spirit and the spirit, Christ gets placed into us by the spirit. And what he says here is, I'll put my spirit and I will cause you to to walk in my statutes and be careful to observe my ordinances. When the spirit comes to live in us, then God begins to change our want-tos. 
the things that interest us, the things that we have desires for begin to change. And I'm sure you'll talk about some of those those things at your table tonight. And then the prophet Joel. So Ezekiel's around 600 years before Jesus. The prophet Joel around 700 years before Jesus. And this is what... I I can't even see what that... I've got to... I'm not looking to God for... uh, uh, There's this... uh, Never mind. So uh, Joel... um, He says, and it will come about after this that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And even on the male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Now, now this is interesting. So look at this. I'm going to pour out my spirit on all, all mankind, sons and daughters, men and women, will prophesy. Old men will dream dreams. Young men will see visions. On male and female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. You see, I mean, the EEOC would love the Holy Spirit. I mean, he's no respecter. You know, he's not in any way discriminating. Men, women, servants, everybody, he's pouring his spirit out upon. He says, and what he says is, I will pour my spirit out upon you and there will be the manifestations of my spirit upon you. I, I, I just I want to give you a couple examples tonight of just experiencing these things where, where we've had the opportunity. I'll, I'll give you an exper- example of a, a couple of, of, of visions. Uh, Annette and I were in a in a meeting one night. Um, we were all excited because that a dinner meeting where we were a part of. We were going to be um, celebrating a couple who for years of marriage were incapable of getting pregnant. Uh, she had had many miscarriages. They finally realized this was not going to happen. They, they chose to adopt. They had adoption happening. Everything was going. The day the adoption was to take place, it all fell apart. We got together that night. We were getting together that night to celebrate. We got together that night anyway. And we began to pray. And as we prayed, one of the people in the room, when we stopped praying, said, could we pray for you? Now, this was praying for the mother that was incapable of getting pregnant, or the woman that was incapable of getting pregnant. And and the person said, while we were praying, I saw a vision of a person, a little baby in utero. I mean, that's kind of hard. I mean, this this woman's already been through a lot, and you're going to now tell her that she's, there's a, there's, you've seen a picture of a baby in utero, and she said, sure. So we prayed for her, and... Three weeks later, four weeks later, I can't remember how long it was, four or five weeks later, we get a phone call. She's pregnant. And she gives birth. And we can't associate that to to anything except God giving a vision. Something that before could not happen. God spoke and he spoke to one of us. And made it real clear. I'll I'll tell you an experience that I had that... That was kind of a scary experience. Annette and I were in the mountains of Telluride, Colorado. We were skiing. And um, she and I were praying together. So she's right here on my shoulder. And we're praying, just laying in bed praying. And all of a sudden, in my head, is this picture of my wife. About I'm above her, and she's like right here. And she is up to her neck in a white sheet, and she is hemmed in by something, and I can't see what it is, scared the spit out of me. I mean, I didn't know what to do with it. And so, 
I didn't know whether to lock her in the room until we left for the airport. I didn't know what to do. Uh, but we go skiing that day, and about four hours later, um, my wife breaks her femur in half skiing. Um, I told her to stop doing those double black diamonds, but she, <laughs> uh, she was just lazily skiing. And, and suddenly, all of that in my head, I'm seeing this happen, and, and so I'm like, ah, feeling all kind of stuff. And then as he backed away, it was like the Lord was telling me, I just wanted you to know that it's going to be okay. But I want to let you know that I knew that and was in charge of that. That it was not a surprise to me. And um, the things that God did as a result of that were just um, very exciting. Scary, yes but exciting at the same time. And so these are some of the things that, that God does. And I'm sure tonight you can share some of those stories as you've, that you have as well. Well, let me just continue on this historic path for a minute here. So as time comes for the birth of Jesus, we begin to see there's kind of this, what's called a 400-year intertestamental period of lapse between the last book of the Old Testament, which is Malachi, and when the Gospels are. There's kind of this 400-year sort of silence, and then suddenly we see, through the Gospels, a move of God's Spirit begin to take place. Um, Elizabeth, uh, the... Uh, the mother of John the Baptist, you know, this older woman gets pregnant. And, uh, and, and this is a scripture that here, um, Zechariah is the father. And, and in Luke 1.15, the angel tells Zechariah, for he will be great. This is John in the sight of the Lord. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. So an angel appears to Zechariah and tells him of what will happen. Zechariah didn't believe him, and he was left mute, if you know the story, until the birth of his son, John. And then Mary, the mother of Jesus, we see as well, that says, And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. Mary is impregnated by the Holy Spirit. And this Jesus will be called the Son of God. Not the Son of Joseph, though the world called him Joseph. But truly he was the Son of God. And John links, John as he grows and becomes a, enters into his ministry, John the Baptist, as he's crying out in the wilderness, calling for repentance and for men and women to come to, to God. He's, this is what he says in Luke chapter Three, verse 16, he says, As for me, I baptize you with water, but one is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to untie his sandals. He will baptize you. Okay, the word baptize in the Greek means to immerse. It doesn't mean to sprinkle. It means to immerse. It, the word baptizo, it, the word that was used there would be, you would take cloth, and this would be the typical terminology in those days, you would take cloth and you would baptize it into a dye. So that every fiber of that, of, of that fabric took on the dye. So he, was, he will baptize you. He will immerse you with the Holy Spirit and 
fire. So the Holy Spirit is truth. He is the spirit of truth. He will baptize you in what the truth is. And not only will he baptize you in what the truth is, he will purify you. You're purified by fire. And someone says he'll just burn the hell out of you is what he, what he does. He burns us. He purifies us. And so whatever Jesus taught the Holy Spirit, it was his job to reveal it. So, you know, throughout these weeks, you may be hearing things with your physical ears, but it's really the job of the Holy Spirit to reveal to us with conviction that the Bible is telling us the truth, that it is the truth. And he does that in his way and in his time. That's he who determines that. In the 16th chapter of John, this is what John writes and Jesus says, this is Jesus speaking, it says, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you, he will lead you, he will direct you into all the truth. That's his job. He will bring glory to me by taking what is mine and my truth, my teaching, and making it known to you. So the job of the Holy Spirit is to make clear that which maybe you heard for years. I mean, I know story after story after story. People have been in church and church and church, and it didn't make any sense to them. And one day, the light comes on. And that's true in so many of our lives here. That God, in His time, in His way, by the Holy Spirit, brings the teaching that we've heard to light and to, to life. So, but he in his function is a third person. I mean, there are many things we can do. And I did every one of these. He can be ignored. He can be missed. He can be misunderstood. He can be resisted. But what he wants to do is to take control of our broken lives and heal us. I mean, the question is, why would I ignore or resist that? You know, the question for me was not, do I, believe, do I not believe or am I afraid of the perceived ramifications of believing or do I just simply not want to acknowledge that I have a need that, that is greater than I, a need that I can't fix. And here, here's the interesting thing is when Alpha is done next week, um, God will not be done. I, I would just ask you to consider that he will continue to hound you. He will continue to pursue you. I have a, a very dear friend, went to high school with him, came to Alpha like the second Alpha or the third Alpha. And we were talking about all the things that God has offered us in Christ. You know, the forgiveness, the acceptance, the belonging, uh, you know, abundance of life in the dash and life forever in, in, in the line. And, and we were talking and I said, why would anybody resist this? Why would anybody say no to this? And he just said one word. It was just a simple three-letter word. And the word was ego. He realized to acknowledge his need was to say that there was something that he was not capable of giving himself. He was a very wealthy man. Well, I can tell you, some 10, 11 years after he said ego, he dropped to his knees and relinquished his ego to Jesus Christ. And he is still <laughs> one of my favorite guys. <laughs> he is an interesting man whom I love dearly. 
but it is such a joy to watch the Spirit of God working in his life. God did that. See, if you're hearing anything from this place here, you may be hearing my voice, you may be hearing Keith's voice, you may be hearing your table host's voice, but if you're hearing anything that's getting from here to here, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit intentionally desiring you to hear me, to hear. And Jesus uh, talked about the Holy Spirit when he addressed the religious leader Nicodemus. Some of you guys have been through John chapter 3 already. Where Jesus says, flesh gives birth to flesh. But spirit gives birth to spirit. The wind blows. Let me see here because I don't know if I've got this written down here. Yeah, okay. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. Okay, so flesh gives birth to flesh. Foster gives birth to foster. Basil gives birth to basil. Swears McConnell gives birth to McConnell. Bourgeois gives birth to bourgeois. Are you getting the idea how this works? Okay, so flesh gives birth to flesh. But spirit gives birth to spirit. In other words, we're born, when we're born, when I'm born as a Loria, I am born into Adam. I am born with a heart of stone. But spirit gives birth to spirit. Spirit comes in and gives birth to my dead spirit and makes me alive. Why? Because the living God is alive in me by the Holy Spirit. So flesh gives birth to flesh. Egg meets sperm. Bam. Life. Spirit of God comes into my spirit and bam, eternal life. Temporal, physical life comes from temporal, physical bodies. But eternal, spiritual life comes from the eternal Holy Spirit. The one who is eternal life. So flesh gives birth to flesh. You shouldn't be surprised. Spirit to spirit. You shouldn't be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound. But you can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going. So is with every work of the Spirit. Mm. So, that's a pretty amazing thought. Here he is speaking about the personal interaction of the Spirit in the lives of men and women. His, again, do I see what I'm saying? I don't know if I understand what I'm saying, really. The God who created all things personally wants to invade my life to give me life that I cannot give myself. That nothing on this earth can give me. That nothing in this world can satisfy And there's a wind, you know, the word spirit in the Greek is the word pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A. We get the word pneumatic, right? Air controlled, right? So the word pneuma is the word spirit. The wind blows where it will. You maybe can't see where it came from. You can't see where it's going, but you sure can see its effects, right? Do we know that here in Louisiana? We know its effects, And we have had the opportunity to see many effects. Um, I just want to tell you a couple more stories. Um, Dear gentleman that worked with me, he was a captain in the United States Army. Uh, 
he was in Operation Iraqi Freedom. And um, he saw a lot when he was over there. as captain. Well, he came back to the United States. I interviewed him for a job. And um, every other word out of his mouth was not the most wholesome, let's say. Um, and uh, I said, I said okay, I'm, I guess I'm going to make this guy an offer. This is going to be interesting. So made him an offer. He came to work with us. Uh, great military guy, great discipline. And invited him to Alpha. And... Um, one of the, uh, and then he, he came to Alpha, came to every week of Alpha, came into my office on a, on a Wednesday morning, uh, he, and, and he came into my office, he sat down, he said, let me get this straight. And he basically repeated to me everything he had heard about Jesus Christ. He said, do I have it right? I said, it sounds good to me. Without my saying a word, he put his knees Upon it, his elbows on his knees, his head in his hands, and he surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. And I've watched him grow through the years. But one of the most exciting things was that this man had suffered with PTSD and nightmares since he had gotten back from Iraq. And those nightmares stopped. And to the best of my knowledge, he has not had another nightmare since then. How do you explain that? Help me, someone. But for the invasive work of the Holy Spirit desiring us. We were, um, we were praying for a young lady um, recently uh, at church. Um, she had a lump on her breast. Um, and it was painful. She had been there for a while. She really didn't know what to do. She was going to get a... Uh, checked by the doctor uh, the following day, the next day, I'm sorry. And um, she just told us, and we prayed for her. Um, just prayed for her. She went home, right on lunch. Um, that night, she said, well, let me just check here. And the lump was completely gone. The lump that had been there for years was completely gone. She goes to the doctor next day, he says, I don't really know what you're talking about because there's nothing there and there is still nothing there. These are things that, that the Holy Spirit does. Um, but the most important thing he does is that he takes a dead person and he raises them from the dead so that even when they die, they are with him um, uh, Alpha 2017 so Alpha 31 maybe <laughs> uh, one day we'll be saying Alpha 328 um, there was a lady who came here she was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2010 and metastasized in 2014 um, but she came to Alpha and she surrendered her life to Christ she gave, she surrendered herself to Jesus Christ. Uh, and we just saw the joy in her life. Um, she is, um, if not for a miraculous work of God's Spirit, not going to be with us much longer. But Annette and I had the, the joy of being with her today. 
and just crying with her and um, at the same time rejoicing because we know that the moment she closes her eyes she will be without pain and with a joy that you and I cannot even begin to imagine because if Christ is raised from the dead she will be raised from the dead and though she, she may not experience a temporary healing because even if you get healed or whatever you heal from you know eventually you're going to die something's going to kill you the death rate has been 100% for a long time none of us get out of here and so, um, and so we see God work like that. Sometimes you see nothing. Or sometimes you don't see much immediately. But then suddenly God goes to work. So, um, and I, 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 again, as I've said, I expect you guys will take some time at your tables tonight to talk about some of your experiences. And, and, and I am convinced that the Spirit of God is moving in the lives. I'm convinced of this. I, I just, I'm sorry. I, I believe God is moving in every one of your lives that have been here, that you are not the same as you were. I know I'm not the same as I was nine weeks ago, and I don't believe you are either. And I, I would just humbly assert that there's ample opportunity, or rather evidence, that we are not the same as we were. I want to give you just a few examples of, of that, just some things maybe you can, you can relate to. Top just some 13 evidences. I mean, there's probably a whole lot more. This is not meant to be funny. Um, but anyway, uh, you have a f- alpha flashbacks every time you see a wheelbarrow. Um, like I said, it wasn't meant to be funny. Um, two, um, you're still coming. I mean, did you really think you would still be coming nine into nine weeks? Uh, but you are. You're still coming. Um, Maybe you're, you're curious or you're convinced or maybe you're even committed when previously you couldn't have cared caca about this Christian crud. I mean, it just meant nothing to you. And suddenly you're finding that maybe you're curious or maybe you're convinced. Maybe you've surrendered your life to Christ. And, and how do you explain that? I, I would say that's an evidence of the Spirit's working. Um, you're actually critically thinking. You're not just assuming things about religion anymore. You want to know, is there evidence to support this? Is this really the truth? That's wonderful. You're critically thinking and examining. Uh, You're reading and you're even understanding the Bible where you never thought you could or you never thought you would. And you're actually beginning to see it and read it and you are experiencing the God who wrote it. Um, You're praying as if you were actually conversing with God because you are. You are. He's paying attention, He's listening, He's speaking. You're talking about God in public, you know, and you're not necessarily cursing about God in public, but you're talking about God in public. You're having conversations with people about God. Who would have ever thought you would do that? You're serious conversations. You're attending church at all or, or more regularly, and you're actually liking it. You're not just checking your watch because you just can't wait for this thing to be over. These are the things that, that happen. Uh, you're more conscious of sin. Okay? The things that you used to do and not even give a thought to it, it just, you like, ah, wow. That, that, that came out of your mouth and you felt it. Or you did something and you knew it was wrong and you felt it. You've never felt that before. That's a, 
evidence of the Holy Spirit. And the result of that is you're experiencing a change in your actions and your attitudes. Because the things that used to be so much fun don't, don't seem like they're that much fun or fulfilling. Uh, you're attending the Alpha Weekend. <laughs> Did you really imagine that? You're coming to the weekend. Uh, just wait. All right. So, but... <laughs> And I really, again, just want to encourage you. Come, come to this. Now, number 12. I, I, this one. Possibly if you're here and you don't, you know, you, you've not committed your life to Christ. You're not surrendered to Christ. There is a sense of his absence in your life. A sense of his absence. And what do I mean by that? I've, I've heard so many times through my life. Um, there's something... And you've heard this too. I know many of you have heard this. And I've heard people say this about other people. There's something about them. I don't quite understand it, but they seem like they have a peace that I don't have. They seem like they have a joy that I don't have. There, there's something about them, even in the midst of all they're going through, that they seem like they have a sense of purpose. What is that? Well, I would argue, and this is Tim Keller helped us with this, that a sense of his absence is a sign of his presence. Okay? A sense of emptiness is a sign of his presence. Let's say you haven't eaten for a day and you walk into a kitchen where a massive meal is being prepared and all those fragrances are coming. Well, if you were not thinking or feeling any sense of, of hunger before that, what do those, what do those aromas do? It give you a, gives you a sense of absence in your stomach because there's a presence there that you know you want. A sense of his absence is a sign of his presence. And then 10 weeks just doesn't seem long enough. So for those of you who want more, um, actually at the end of Alpha, Next, not next week, but the week after. So two weeks from tonight, we will start a new class called Beta. And it's a study in the Gospel of Mark. We will use a workbook. It's going to look pretty much like this. We're going to have dinner. Maybe not as many of us. But it is a wonderful nine-week study through the Gospel of Mark. And this is a wonderful study. And we want to invite you to be a part of that as well. That's going to start up, like I said, two weeks from tonight, but would absolutely love you guys to be a part of that. So, um, remember what we said. We have discussed that all of God is relational. That's what we've said every week. That everything about God is relational. Um, And that is how the Holy Spirit mostly does His work. He does His work through relationships. He weaves lives together. Okay, now... Think about this. How, how did you get here tonight? What, what are the circumstances? What are the relationships? Where you were born? What are the things that brought you to the place that you are? I mean, I, I went to Louisiana State University, like I told you. I hated everything purple and gold. I mean, really, hated LSU with a passion. It's, uh, really. I mean, and I grew up in Tulane's backyard, and where do I go to school? I go to LSU. Okay? Um, but if I don't go to LSU, I don't go to the wildest fraternity on campus. And if I don't go to the wildest fraternity on campus, I don't meet two guys that had a deep 
intimate relationship with Jesus Christ and were very attractive to me. And if I don't go there, I don't come to know Christ. I mean, I, again, I can't speak for anything else that God would have done. But that's where, at that fraternity, if you're here week two, that's where I met the woman who would become my wife. And because I was a part of that fraternity, I end up going to a meeting at the university, uh, at, the, at the UC, and there's a guy named Bill Fagan who was teaching a Bible study that, that I eventually, Annette and I started going to a Bible study at his house in New Orleans, and I eventually went to work for him, and I've, that's the company that I now own that I've, that I've been a part of for 40 years. Now, how do you explain that? My kids aren't here. Paul's here tonight. Nathan's here tonight. They're not here. I mean, you think about these things. Really, give thought to these things. Why? How? You know, there's a, there's a, a dear friend of mine. Um, if I can get this to move, we'll do this. Um, this is the uh, first grade class of New Orleans Academy, 1963. And I am in that class. I'm sure you can pick me out immediately. <laughs> Anybody? Well, for, for sake of time. Uh, that is not me. The guy, the guy up at the top in the middle is the original Hannibal Lecter. Uh, that <laughs> scary dude. I actually have the scar from where he bit me still. <laughs> if you can see that. Uh, but I, I, I love this. You see the guy in the full dress uniform right there? I mean, these things are too, you know, truth is stranger than fiction. He is the general buying manager at Perlis. Okay, so, I mean, does it, do you just know from the beginning he's going to be the clothes horse? Um, Edwin Ely, love that guy. So I'm the little Italian kid right over here, the cutest little thing. I'm right here next to the teacher, teacher's pet, right here. That's me. Um, ah, thank you. Um, now... My best buddy was my Jewish friend, Brian Bean, right there. Brian Bean Furniture. Anybody ever shop at Bean Furniture on Oak Street? Nobody ever did that. Okay, so that's Brian Bean. Brian became a PhD in... Uh, I, I, made it my, I walked with him when he made his bar mitzvah. Um, I love Brian. Unfortunately, in eighth grade, he couldn't cut it at New Orleans Academy anymore. He had to go to public school, and he could only get into Ben Franklin. So... Um, <laughs> okay, so... Um, I love Brian. I, 8663556. That's his phone number. His birthday's August August 4th. I know I know Brian. I love Brian. I call him on his birthday. He never calls me back. But um, but I call Brian and finally we got together one day. I have come to Christ. Brian is a PhD industrial psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and we start talking about life and life is not as great for Brian as he talked. Well, I began to share with him what Christ had done in my life. And um, I'm watching this Jewish PhD in industrial psychology. And I said, Brian, what if, what if God had known way back in 1963 what he was going to do in my life and what he wanted to do in your life? And he had put our lives together so that I could tell you the greatest thing that's ever happened to me can happen to you. And I... I watched tears fill this man's eyes. And he just said two words. He said, what if? Now, I, I don't necessarily know where Brian is today I, um, in terms of his, his faith position. But, but it gave me an opportunity 
to tell him the greatest thing that's happened in my life, and I believe it's going to be the greatest thing that happens in his life as well. But before we close tonight, I want you guys to hear from dear friends, uh, Peter and Debbie Basil, because I want you to hear their story about how God intervened in their lives. And uh, I I just wanted them to come and share with you. So, Debbie, Peter, would you guys come and do that? Let's welcome them as they come. You should know better to give me this microphone. Um, well, the bad news is, and that's the good news, I don't get to speak tonight. It's really uh, Debbie's story. Um, I don't get invited to speak anymore. I'm like fallen from grace. Um, yes. Uh, so 12 years ago, Debbie and I came to an alpha. I don't know what number it was, 20-something or whatever. I didn't want to be here, didn't know why I came, and I sure didn't want to stay when I got here until the first night after listening to Frank speak. Um, Four weeks into it, uh, something changed, Um, and I didn't know any more in four weeks than I knew in one week and probably don't know a whole lot more now, but I do know that if you're in this room tonight... It's the same reason we were in this room 12 years ago. Actually, not this room, because the building wasn't here yet. But we were wooed here, didn't know why, and on week four, I left here very, very different. Um, Didn't make her very happy at the moment, but very different. Um, What I didn't know is that 10 years later, what God started that night was preparing us to know the gospel, to know that we have a relationship with him, and to know that he put us in a body of Christ that was going to sustain us through some very, very tough times. Um, Debbie's going to share most of this story with you because she gets to talk and I typically don't. Um, But I do want to tell you that I met her 42 years ago. Just like Frank said, there was a reason um, we came to know the Lord and love the Lord together. I did it first. Sorry. Um, I named the tune in four weeks, took you ten. Um, and we are just so glad you're here. So if you hear anything tonight, trust me, it is absolutely a Holy Spirit that I didn't know what it was, but the shoulder thing too. And that he speaks and lives in us and he makes us do things that I would have told you I would have never done in my life. Um, so welcome to Lakeview, welcome to Alpha. Thank you, Frank, for all that you do. Thank you for the bros for inviting us to eat with them. Um, thank you, Donnie, for taking our time to talk now because you do all the talking, I think, from now on. Donnie Bourgeois has been a blessing to us. So here is my bride for 42 years, Debbie. We have not been married for 42 years. (laughs) 35. (laughs) So now that Pete is here tonight, like he messed it up. Like, I, you know, I don't know where to start. But I'm going to say, all right, y'all, I'm Debbie Basil. So um, Peter and I have been married for um, 35 years. And we had three wonderful sons who gave us two daughter-in-laws and three beautiful grandsons. 
So I'm going to want to tell you about my alpha experience. I'm a nurse, and I guess it's more than 15, but in 2004, there was a lady, Linda Pratt, um, who invited Peter and I to this thing called alpha. Peter had been sick, and he had a very complicated autoimmune disease. And... um, at the time, the outlook was pretty grim. But Linda asked if her church could pray for Peter. And yes, it was Lakeview Christian Center. So fast forward uh, about four years later, um, Peter and I received a letter from Ray Pratt. We did not know him at all. We had never met him. And it invited us to this thing called Alpha. It sounded good to me because I had been, at least in my own mind, a very religious person, and I had been attending St. Catherine of Siena Church with our three sons for a while without Peter. I went into the Alpha course truly thinking, and this really is true, that I was just fine with God, but it was my hard-headed husband who needed rescuing, and that is true. But as the weeks went on, I had a ton of questions from my table leader. And so armed with those questions, I decided to attend the Alpha Weekend and did so with an anticipation of the unknown. And I really wondered how such a short time, a short time weekend meeting could produce any substantial changes in me. But I was also excited for the first time in my life. I had an interest to learn what the Bible actually said not rely on what I thought it said. The Bible had, over the first weeks of Alpha, become really exciting to me. For the first time ever, I really saw it as more than a boring history book. It was coming alive whenever I read it. But along with the excitement came confusion for me. Sadly, I had to be honest with myself that some of the things I had sincerely believed for 45 years just did not line up with what the Bible had to say. So up to attending Alpha, I thought, and this is really, really true, that I controlled everything that happened in my life, and I thought I was pretty good at doing so. But what happened to me at the Alpha weekend, I did not control it. It happened to me. God called me, and by his grace, I heard his voice, and it all finally made sense. I realized that it was... Debbie Dague Basil's my past, my present, and my future sins that actually held Jesus to the cross. The Holy Spirit made it so clear that God was calling me by name and offering me the gift of eternal life. That weekend I said yes, and I accepted the gift. It became perfectly clear that my life was now changed for eternity from this side of the grave until the next. So, earlier I said I had three sons. One of my sons, Blake, was also invited by the Pratts to Alpha, and that was in about 2007. It was the year before Peter and I attended. Blake was a junior at Brother Martin and had recently lost a friend to suicide. Peter and I had no idea he was going to Alpha. We just knew it was a church thing. Blake also attended the Alpha weekend. But what I know now is that God also called Blake by name that weekend. And Blake said, yes, and my son truly 
became a child of God for all eternity. After Alpha, Blake went through many struggles and difficulties that this fallen world can present. But my Blake was a fighter, and he overcame many of those battles. And life looked good. Blake became a husband to my precious Anna and a father to Nathan, even though it was just for a short time. You see, two years and four months ago, on May 25th, 2017, Blake allowed himself to be deceived by the devil, and he committed suicide. In spite of Blake's decision to end his life, God's decision to give Blake life was not nullified. The Bible assures us that Jesus died for all of our sins, and not one of them is uncovered by and through the cross. It was God's faithfulness to Blake that received him from earth to heaven. I am eternally grateful for the unconditional love of God that fully embraced Blake in heaven the second he left his physical body. God kept Blake on earth until Blake accepted the free gift of salvation at the Alpha Weekend. And God will always keep him just as he will keep all of us who believe and receive Jesus. Peter said earlier that, you know, Debbie, remember, salvation does not, does not make us perfect. It gives us an eternal promise. So if you're sitting here tonight, and if you have questions, and if you feel drawn, if you are seeing things about God and yourself differently since you started Alpha, and if you have not gotten in the wheelbarrow, please consider coming to the weekend experience. You are being called... Just say yes. You were not here by accident, and neither were Peter, Blake, or I. Thank you for listening. What do you do now? Um, I cannot thank them enough for doing that. Um, um, I'm just going to do this. Um, I'm gonna, Ronald, would you come on up, bud? We're going to. I'm just going to bypass the rest of my notes here. Um, but it, you know, it really is. It's the Holy Spirit who is God's. His real, the Holy Spirit is God's real estate agent. He really is. He tells us our real estate before God. He's the one that opens to us the truth of where we are with him.
Um, you know, I really had to ask myself when I was considering Jesus, what am I holding on to that has any value in comparison to what God has offered me in a relationship with Jesus? Has anyone, anything ever made a better offer than he? He says, come to me just like you are. Come to me as the mess that you are. Come to me with the addictions that you have. Come to me with the guilt, the brokenness. Come to me just like you are. And I will give you my life, my salvation. He's not looking for you and me to clean ourselves up in any way. Just as we are. So who is the Holy Spirit? He's the third person of the Trinity. Let me just go through this real quick here. Let me get through this so I can... He is the third person of the Trinity. He comes to reveal Christ to you and me. How does he do it? He wants us to know that God loves us. And his plans for us are more amazing than you can even imagine. I cannot imagine life without Christ. I cannot imagine my life without Jesus Christ. It would not be life. It would just be existing, waiting for it to end. Doing everything I could to fill days with something wants me to know, wants to reveal to me that I fall short of, of God's acceptable standard. His standard is perfection. And I am anything but that. You are anything but that. But he has provided the way through Jesus Christ, through his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. He has provided the way through the truth, who is the life. And what else does he do? The Spirit compels me, like he compelled Debbie, Peter, all of us here to accept Jesus as the only means of salvation and peace that endures forever. And then he empowers us in this fallen world in the midst of the tribulations that we have to live above the circumstances, to love the unlovable, to love others even as we have been loved. That's his offer to every one of us. He has done everything to give us the ability to receive the gift. And he says, come and I will give you rest. I will give you life. I just want to encourage you again tonight. If you have yet to do that, Take him up on his offer and see what he will do. I've asked Ronald to lead us in a song. just want to encourage you to hear the words, to sing as you would. Again, this is a part of prayer, you know, is singing as well. So, Ronald, lead us in this song. Grace of God has reached for me and pulled me from the raging sea, and I am safe on the solid ground. The Lord.
Lord is my salvation. I will not fear when darkness falls. His strength will help me scale these walls. I'll see the dawn of the rising sun. Is my salvation. Who is like the Lord our God, strong to save, faithful in love? My debt is paid and the victory won. The Lord is my salvation. My hope is hidden in the Lord. He flowers each promise of His word. When winter fades, I know spring will come. The Lord is my salvation. In times of waiting, times of I know loss when I am weak. I know His grace will renew these days. The Lord is my salvation. Who is like the my final day He will not leave me in the grave But I will rise He will call me home The Lord is my salvation Who is like the folks well, let's take uh, take five minutes uh, take five minute break use the restroom get some coffee and then let's come back to our tables and continue with some discussion thank you all again for being here hope to see you this weekend